Welcome back to the Tower Hill Podcast with Pat and Mike Kilner. Before I introduce our guest on the podcast today, I want to take a moment to mention the Kilner Group's upcoming scholarship competition for young entrepreneurs. So this fall, we are awarding $10,000 to the local student or student group with the best idea and presentation for a new business. Submission deadline is mid-November 2017, so if you know of a high school senior or college student from the area with an entrepreneurial spirit, please encourage them to take a look. For full details and to see our list of sponsors, visit kilnergroup.com slash scholarship. So our guest for this episode is Myron Adote, the chairman and CEO of I Street Investments. I is spelled E-Y-E, a privately owned investment company based here in Washington, D.C., Some background on Myron. He is a graduate of Gonzaga College High School here in D.C. and is both a bachelor's and MBA from Fordham. He has had successful stops at Vector Marketing, GDS International, and REIS before starting iStreet. He joined Pat and I here in the studio and brought some fantastic insights into the grit and determination it takes to become a successful entrepreneur and gave some very useful and practical advice for young entrepreneurs who are thinking about starting their own organization. Enjoy. So, Myron, thanks so much for joining us here in the studio. It's great to have you. Pat, thanks for having me here. I'm glad to be here. My pleasure. And and, uh, and Mike is here with us in studio as well. So we've got CFO mindset here, very present. So this is going to be a lot of fun. You know, Myron, you are one of these guys that just in talking to you, you have so much entrepreneurial energy <laughs> and it's just great. And just just as we were talking earlier as you're talking, I'm I'm getting all sorts of ideas. You're 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 making synapses go that that haven't fired for for a little while for me. It's really cool. And and so what I'd like to do is 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 take a step back. Sure. You're in the midst right now of forming a really cool company, and we're going to get to that. And and you're very much in launch phase. That's right. And to me, that's there's a lot of taking a dream and forging that dream, actually making that come to fruition. Sure. And for a lot of people. That bridge can be very hard, and we Absolutely. and we talk to entrepreneurs a lot of the time, or people who maybe you know out in the world who are who are doing business. They're sort of practitioners of things, but they have a hard time transitioning from being in a practice to actually translating that into a business. Sure, and it's a real shift. So, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to sort of your early years, no, and and where this all came from, because I think there's a continuity to to our lives that. These ideas don't come from nowhere. They they're they're usually formed early on. That's right. And so, talk to me about early in life. You know, it can be you know, first first ten to fifteen years of your life. Okay. Do you have somebody who was a real example to you as an entrepreneur who just sort of was an image for you? And because I know I, I in just talking to a lot of entrepreneurs or people who are very successful, they have early in life sort of somebody who really is a guide, a beacon for them. Sure. Was there that person for you? There was, there was. My first real inspiration as far as being an entrepreneur and, and seeing someone saying, I want to do that, was uh, an uncle of mine. My mother is one of 19, so that it's a that large, large awesome. family. <laughs> oh, we had um, a big family. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a large family. So number two is she sits as number four, mm-hmm. and uh, number two is is one of her older sisters. Mm-hmm. And her husband, my uncle, was that image for me. Mm. So I remember very, very vividly when I was three years old, being in Ghana, which is where my family's from, where my last name comes from, mm-hmm. and seeing my uncle. I was up very early, like six thirty in the morning. 
and seeing him who worked at, 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 a, at a home office mm-hmm. um, walk to his office to what I know now was a consulting business mm. where he would help industries break into Ghana by utilizing his political and business connections to get industries that weren't already in there into Ghana. So like if you were, let's say, a, a cell phone company, hypothetically, if you're like yeah. a Vodafone, right? So he'd work with a company like a Vodafone and help them get into Ghana and help people get cell phones. Yeah. And he would sign mutual uh, exclusive contracts with those companies. They could only work with him as far as that entry into Ghana. He could only work with them in that industry. So He's really of, operating as their agent exactly. to, to bring him in. That's and, exactly and right. Connect to the right people. And of course, I knew none of this at three years old. Sure. I knew only that he gets up, he goes into his office. There's people that come in all the time. I know he has a, a, a receptionist. I know he has a you know people who work kind of underneath him that are in that office. I knew none of this stuff. I just knew I was in there a lot. I would watch him a lot. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I wanted to do that. Whatever that was. Whatever that was, right? <laughs> and, and, and I didn't know exactly what that was. And I don't think you have to have the exact, this is what I'm going to do when I'm 30, 40, 50 years old when you're that young. Mm-hmm. I think that the image and the idea of this thing that I see that I can't fully articulate in my three-year-old mind mm. is more than enough because what that inspires will ultimately, if you follow that, I think will ultimately lead you to where it is you want to be and what you want to do. And for me, it was my uncle. Interesting. I'm curious, was there any, just in your relationship with with your uncle, did you feel like just growing up, oh, I, I kind of come from entrepreneurial stock? Is that is that something that was sort of felt in the family? You know, yes and no. You just well, have 19 kids. You have to have sort of a, <laughs> you know, a little bit of a, you know, we throw ourselves into these things yeah, sort sure. of like entrepreneurs. So, so what it was, what I was always told growing up was you can do anything you want if you work hard. Mm. And that was definitely ingrained at every level of my family. Because it's not that, and it's not as though the, the family came from big money in Ghana. Definitely not. So, so your your uncle built this sort of ground up. Yeah, my uncle came from a very rural area in Ghana, in an area called the Volta region, which is in the northern part of Ghana. Most people, when they understand Ghana, they think of the capital city Accra. That's where most people understand as far as Ghana, which is certainly a large and bustling city. But this was a more rural area where he was born and raised and grew up. Yeah. So he definitely did not have like some large nest egg or some inheritance or like not at all come from that. This it is was, bootstraps, who he knew, getting into the right you know, yeah. circles and, 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 you know. It was hustling. Yeah. I mean, plain and simple. It yeah. was simply a matter of I am going to work extremely hard to get this thing. Mm. And when I saw him, he was in his mid, I would say mid 40s, mm-hmm. I think, when he was when he was running this business at the time. I don't know how long he had been doing it up until that point where I first saw him when I was three, but I know that's what he had been doing. And, you know, clearly he was able to bring up his family, my cousins and, mm-hmm. and, and his wife and, and provide for them a, a very comfortable lifestyle. So obviously he was doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. But I do know that he had to create that. He, he was not handed that by any stretch of the imagination. Does he know that, that he sort of planted the seed for you? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've, definitely, I've, I've definitely made sure that he knows. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty neat. So, great. You know, and it's a great family story, too. I hadn't thought of it until we have a grandfather. You know, dad's do. side. We, 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 we got a couple. <laughs> we have a grandfather <laughs> in particular who was an entrepreneur <laughs> who went through some adversity. He lost his eye as like a 25-year-old oh, wow. on a job site and was – 
let go because oh, he couldn't no. see who was, you know, he was, he was out of work for, and he's got uh, like five kids at the time. They, they end up having nine kids. And my dad's the oldest and he went and, and had to become entrepreneurial. Right. And so sort of through that, through, through that experience, ended up creating a home business where he went and found literally a widget, basically a widget <laughs> that you couldn't buy at the stores that plumbers needed on job sites. Okay. And he became the middleman for it. Nice. And sold these things and kept the books by hand up in a, a, an extra space in the upstairs sort of hallway. It wasn't even a room mm -hmm. where he, his little office was. And I remember going up there as a little kid and seeing him still, his his ledger written in pencil sure. and as we sell these things. And and I, I hadn't, until you said this, I hadn't thought to myself, gee, I have a similar sort of thing. But but in many ways, I just, I grew up thinking being an entrepreneur is like where it's at. Oh yeah. Like, and Pop Pop, he's, what an example of, of a guy who just picks himself up by the bootstraps and figures this thing out and provides for the family and, you know, with one eye the yes. whole time, you know? So interesting. And so thanks for that. Now, no, my pleasure. So usually I, I find as we talk to entrepreneurs, they typically have a, a real great image of success and also sort of a, maybe an image of, of an obstacle sure. in your life. Any obstacles that sort of helped form you and your, your understanding of sort of perseverance and grit to, to be able to do what you're doing right now Take some of that. Absolutely. An immediate obstacle that comes to my mind would be uh, when my parents divorced when I was very mm. young. And about how old you were? I was 11 when the divorce actually okay. happened. I saw problems start to happen when I was about eight, but things came to a head when I was 11 years old. And, you know, you're 11, you're definitely aware of, of things kind of happening around you. And it rocked my world mm. and it rocked my entire family. My, my brothers, my mother, everyone was just very, very devastated by this divorce, which it happens. Yeah. Not every relationship works out. That's, you know, for various reasons, that's just what happens. It was a struggle for a period of time. Yeah. You know, there were points in time, you know, financially things got very rough. There are points in time the water gets cut off. There's a point in time the gas gets cut off. There's a point in time the lights get cut off. You you wake up and, and the family car has been repossessed. You mm. don't know what happens. And, you know, you have to carry on. Your your brothers have to carry on. Your mother has to carry on. And, you know, my mother was one of those first serious images of perseverance and resilience. And I'm going to do this regardless. Mm -hmm. And I've had conversations with her about that time frame. You know, I was fortunate enough to, to get my MBA from Fordham. My middle brother was fortunate enough to get two master's degrees in music from the University of Miami, one of which wow. he had a full scholarship for. And my youngest brother last year finished his PhD in math from North Carolina State, and the entirety of his post-high school education was fully funded. He, had, he didn't pay a single thing for college, wow. for graduate school, nothing. That's amazing. And You guys just get smarter down the line, well, huh? I yeah. mean, <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, down the line, definitely. I mean, they're, they're brilliant. My brothers are brilliant. But if you were to say that, you know, a single mother raising three African-American men would have that outcome be the case, most people would probably not yeah. expect that to be the case. But mm -hmm. I've talked to my mother, and I know for sure she made a decision early on that my kids will not be a statistic. Yeah. It's not going to happen no matter what. That is going to be the case. And I know she got that from her father who passed recently, mm. um, who was – adamant about his children getting an education and yeah. he would sell things 
if money got tight, he would sell things to make sure that he could pay for school fees so that his kids could get an education. So I saw that resilience, like, this is what I want. This is what I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be pleasant. I don't, I'm not going to smile through it all the time. I'll break down eventually, mm -hmm. but I will keep one foot in front of the other until I get to where I need to get to. And that's just it. Yeah. That's so amazing. I had a feeling that really for you, just in, in the way you talked in our first conversation, you talked, you told me about your business, just the way you talked about that made me think, you know, th there's in order to do this, the, this that you talk about from your uncle is not necessarily being the the best networker in the entire country, no. right? <laughs> the this is starting a business. Oh yes. This is breaking out of the mold of the way to success is climbing the corporate ladder sure. and deciding that you're going to take this idea, find the idea, come up with the idea, conceive mm -hmm. it, find the right people to conceive that with, and then take it to the next level, actually articulate it to the world sure. and make it something that makes money and has a great impact. Sure. So let's fast forward. Can you tell us what what's the project now? What what's what's your what's your baby that you're working on right sure. now? Sure. So I run a company called I Street Investments. Mm -hmm. And it's called I Street because I like my founding team uh were men of I Street. We were graduates of Gonzaga College High School mm -hmm. in DC. And we called it I Street Investments because we all came from that. Mm -hmm. So what we are in our current iteration is we are raising our first fund uh, focused on real estate investment in Washington, D.C. How we started was we were just investing in a number of different things. Mm -hmm. So we'd invest in equities. We'd lend money on real estate development. We would invest in, er, in early stage ventures. It was really just trying to get a sense of different types of investment and the landscape and, and our ability to analyze projects, analyze investments, determine the viability of them, decide a strategy, and then execute upon that strategy. Yeah. And that's how we kind of started for the first three years within the company. And then we, after that time period, we as a company came together and had to determine, okay, what do we want to do? What is the next step? This has been fun and we've made some money, but if we want to turn this into a serious enterprise to be mm -hmm. taken seriously and looked at within the business community and to be held up as an example, we have to do something different and we have to step that up. So you went from sort of a market research entity, right? Where you're doing a lot of guerrilla warfare. You're, you're feeling out what the market looks like mm -hmm. to decide where you won't really want to put your resources. Is that, is that fair? That's a good way to put it. I mean, we would do research and we would put resource in the different things that we would research mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So we would, we would execute on those things, put actual money into it, but we then had to determine, okay, where do we want to really go in? Mm -hmm. Right. Where is the next stage that we're going to get into and how are we going to take what we've been doing and advance it to the next level? Yeah. And there were a lot of conversations around that. That's not something that you have over drinks one time and you have a decision or something mm -hmm. that you have in one meeting. I would say there was the better part of a year mm -hmm. where we, and we were still taking action along the time in that year, but the better part of a year between determining the business plan, determining what our team was going to look like, determining what our strategy would look like, fleshing out the numbers, who we're going to attack as far as potential investors to help us scale up, what our story was going to be as far as on what we had done thus far and how we we're going to proceed to the next level, mm -hmm. what the, the shape of the management team was going to look like. Everything from soup to nuts was mm -hmm. a lot of meetings and a lot of conversation. I mean, honestly, that's, it's not fun. 
it's not the most exciting part of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, and that's certainly not what, what they talk about in the movies or the stories or, the, yeah. you know, so-and-so's in a garage and then, you know, they're a cachillionaire. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's all great. <laughs> yes. And that's fantastic. And salute those people. And I want to be one of those people. And I believe I will be. But the, what happens in between? Yeah. Right. How Which you don't hear about in those stories. You never hear about yeah. But it's super important. Yeah. Most businesses as they are today that are that successful are not what they were when they first started. Absolutely. Like they're not. Mm -hmm. Facebook now is not what I remember being in college in 2004. And I remember getting, hearing about the Facebook and, mm -hmm. oh, you should, you're trying to, <laughs> you're trying to promote for a party, which I was at the time. And, you know, there are a lot of college students on the Facebook. So you should, <laughs> you should join the Facebook, which is obviously not what it's called now. Sure. It's not limited to college students now, yeah. but that's what it was there. And, and you, you know, they had to go through, a, certainly to become, you know, a multi-billion dollar company. They had yeah. to go through a lot of that. Ton of iterations. Yeah. And, and we've had to do the same. And we said, okay. We've invested in these three asset classes, equities, real estate, and early stage ventures. Mm -hmm. What do we start on? We'll start on real estate. Why? Real estate is tangible. Real estate, people can wrap their minds around it. We're all natives of the D.C. area. I was living and working in New York at the time, getting my master's degree, and then you know working full-time at other jobs. But I understand D.C., mm -hmm. and we all understand D.C., and, and this is something that people can wrap their minds around. All right. So, so there's a great lesson there. Do what you know. For sure. Right? Don't... Because until you have sort of the, the that capital to trade with, that's right. You you don't really have a product. That's exactly and, right. And so your expertise, your knowledge, your market knowledge, your your comfort with the place, the, the physical nature of real estate, you know, makes it such that you're just your comfort with the geography. Sure. Defines your ability to advise well, Absolutely. and and advise people who are giving you lots of money. That's right. To you know on where to put that. And to speak with authority on that, so that, that's phenomenal. I, I love that the the process of specialization. Yeah, there is just sort of to reiterate your point about doing market research and going after one, because there's always there's always the next iteration of I Street, which may of course expand from you know real estate back aggressively into those things, right? Sure. You, yeah. You have you have to put your focus and your energy into perfecting one, getting well known for that, and then you can go and do other things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and I think entrepreneurs oftentimes are big idealists and want to want to want to save the world, want to want to conquer things, want to, you know, scale Everest all at once. And what I love about your story so far is is just let's chunk that down. Let's understand you got to get the gear. You got to get the right people on your team. That's right. You've got to get you you got to have the plan and that plan you have to hold it lightly. Because you may have to throw it all away oh, yeah. in order to, to 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 come up with something better, <laughs> and the understanding of you're not going to have it perfect right out of the gates. Absolutely, and it's not going to look what you have in mind right now is not going to be what it is in three months or three years or thirty years. That's right. And and sort of the the by by looking at things backwards, oftentimes where we see the product, we see the service, we see see the entity, we oftentimes forget that it started as as this concept and had a lot of turns in the road in order to get to where it is and your what what you've articulated is gosh we had to get in the room together and have less fun conversations this is fun to talk about here here's the big dream here's where, where we'd oh, like to yeah. go but now okay do we really want that person on the team do you how much do you trust them oh, you know yeah. and and getting into it or what about legal well 
Who wants to think about legal? Let's just throw ourselves <laughs> into it, right? You hear that a lot. Like, legal, I, I'm sure. Insurance. Who, who, who needs that sort of thing? Oh, yeah. The idea is so good. We couldn't possibly be sued for this, right? <laughs> um, and and I think there's this, there's, there is sort of a reckless abandon that allows you to get to the point of, of quitting your older job and doing this. Sure. And then there has to be a system or a process in place to achieve the next level as well. So- in many ways, that abandon fuels the vehicle that you now put it into. Talk to me about the vehicle that sort of, if you could give young entrepreneurs any advice, what vehicles do they need to focus on as they take their idea, their concept, their dream, and translate it into something that is going to have success? What are those, what are those two, three things? Sure. So and I'm going to come at this from the standpoint of I'm going to presume these entrepreneurs will know this is the product or service I want to get into, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I want to do this particular business. I want to be in this business. I'm going to presume that's already been fleshed out because if it hasn't been, obviously you need to determine that first. Sort of what you guys have been doing in testing, test marketing some of exactly. this as well. That's right. But having that said, the first thing you need to do is you have to have your legal structure in place. Mm-hmm. You know, are you doing a, an LLC? Are you doing, you know, partnerships? Are you doing a, a corporation, sole proprietorship? What are you doing? You have to have that vehicle in place and understand what you're going to do from that standpoint. And you need so it. not sexy. No, it's not at all, right? <laughs> it's got to be done. <laughs> it's not fun at all. Now, I'm, I am fortunate in that one of my partners whose actual original, original genesis for this company it was, is an attorney. Ah, I, nice. I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard. So we have that expertise in-house. And so I'll say to young entrepreneurs – if you don't have that expertise in house, you have to get it one way or the other. You mm-hmm. need to have to you have to pay for it in some capacity or to find a way to get that in house in some capacity. But you have to have it. There is no way around it. There is no business without it. You must 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 have the legal com- the legal component in place. Mm-hmm. You have to have that to start. So that would be the first thing. The second thing I would say is you need to have the financial picture of your business strategy in place. And what I mean by that is everybody has the idea, I'm going to I'm gonna go to market with this thing and I'm going to make a ton of money. Yep. What's a ton of money, right? <laughs> yeah. Is a ton of money $100,000? Is a ton of money $10 million? Is a ton of money $100 million? Is it a billion dollars? What's a ton of money? What's the monetary goal? Yeah, what's the monetary goal? And what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. What does? How does that break down alongside your balance sheet? How does that break down alongside your income statement? How does it break down alongside your statement of cash flows? What does all that look like? Again, not pleasant stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Not not the most fun. Not the big dreamer. I'm gonna take over the world thing. Yeah. But vital. You have to be able to articulate your financial picture internally and externally yeah. for your business. Mm-hmm. That is a must. So you need to have. Somebody or you yourself need to be good enough with numbers to be able to do that. Yeah. And and part of the reason why that's the case is because if you're in a business where you're going to be soliciting investment of any kind, investors are going to want to see that. If I'm going to give you yeah. money, why is me giving you money going to do better than whatever it is I'm going to do with the money on my own? Sure. Even if that thing is nothing. And having it sit somewhere and appreciate at whatever percentage it's going to appreciate at. Yeah. Right. Right, right. Why does, why should I give you money? You have to be able to answer that question. Yeah. And you answer that through your financials. Sure. So, I mean, if you're on Shark Tank, they're going to ask you, you know, like, why why am I going to give you this? And you better be able to convince me that, that this is going to be, that's a, 
that's the paradigm a lot of people think about. Of but, course. You know, uh, this is, uh, if you were to flesh that out and sort of multiply that by 100 yeah. and say, okay, now give me, because the reality is those guys aren't investing big money without really looking at the books Definitely and understanding them really, really well. What's, what's your cost? What does it cost every time you sell something? What's your cost of sale? What does that look like? Uh, you know, what are you, what are you trading with the market? What do you have to trade? Is it a good or a service? And how many of those do you need to, do you need to sell in order to make this happen? Sure. Um, oftentimes, you know, when, whether, and, and that can be in our world, it's, there's a cost of sale to selling a house. And there's, you know, there's the people side of it. There's the, there's the system side of it. Of there's, there's the liability side of it. There's the, the compliance side of it. There's a ton of stuff that goes into that number yeah. ultimately. So awesome. And I love what you're talking about in terms of investors, you kind of start to talk about, okay, investors are going to be interested in, okay, so what's your strategy? Of course. Talk to me about that piece. You know, how important is it to have strategy so that you can move the ball forward, execute on? I can't stress its importance enough. Okay. I could spend this entire program only talking about that and still not cover everything. (laughs) Strategy is everything. It It is everything. Yeah. You have to have a clear-cut strategy as to how you're going to attack whatever market it is. Mm -hmm. A lot of business case studies and and, and conversation try to boil down X, Y, and Z strategy into a business. Mm -hmm. I mean, a business, excuse me. Well, obviously a business, but I'm in like a mission statement or a vision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And to be able to do that shows how granularly you have thought about your strategy, but you need to have that strategy in place and you need to know what that strategy is going to be. That's vital. That's everything. What is it? And when you talk strategy, are you talking, what is the daily life of making this thing work look like? So when I talk strategy, I'd, I'd work from the larger picture and work my way down. Okay, mm-hmm. What is it that I'm trying to do in my business? Mm-hmm. What am I trying to do that's different in my business from everybody else? Mm-hmm. And then from that thing that I'm trying to do, how am I going to do that thing? What does that, what are these steps I am actively going to take mm-hmm. to do this thing that I've determined that I'm going to do in my business, right? Mm-hmm. how am I going to do that? And why does it matter to the people I'm talking about? Yeah. Right. And those things working backwards from those things will help dictate your day to day. Yeah. Right. So to use my business as an example, if I'm investing in real estate and I have numbers around what it is I'm going to do and I have a strategy to say, okay, I want to invest in this particular type of real estate in this particular market over this particular period of time. Mm-hmm. And based on that strategy, what I'm trying to do, these numbers show what I expect the result of that strategy to be. Okay, fine. So if I have those numbers and I have that expected result, then what do I need to do in order to get to that expected mm-hmm. result? I have to make a certain number of investments at a certain dollar amount over a certain period of time with a certain exit that's going to give me a certain type of return on my money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have to do that over the period of time that I've determined within my business and within my strategy in order to achieve the result that I have laid out mm-hmm. within my financial, within my numbers. Yeah. Right. So the broader idea of what it is that I'm going to do and working backwards from that and breaking that down, reduction to the ridiculous, is like going to show how that's going to inform the day to day. Now, just for, for, for the sake of the audience, when you say to the ridiculous, to the, to the, to the smallest detail is what you're really, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and I say ridiculous because dreamers often don't like to think about those details. Sure. 
And that's that's hmm. that's the the I gift. Know someone like that. <laughs> that's why I have you, Mike. <laughs> and and that that exchange right there actually articulates the point, right? Yeah. Like the leader is supposed <clears throat> to be the visionary. That's mm. the point. That, that's your, your job is to do that. Your job is I I see that hill. We're going to get to that hill. Yeah. The operations and the financial people and the legal. Well, how am I going to get to that hill? Mm. Yeah. Right. And the synergy between those sides is critical. Yeah. A dreamer without an operation is just a dreamer, <laughs> yeah. right? And, you know, a nuts and bolts person without a vision, like, yeah, you're doing things, but where are you going? What are you doing? What's the long-term deal? Yeah. You need both of those together. Where I'm curious, where do you see your skill set? Are you more on the dreamer side, sort of the visionary side, or more on the operations financial side? Uh, I would say I'm more on the dreamer side. Uh-huh. I can speak the operations language. I can speak the financial language. You have to yeah. if you're if you're a CEO. And I have some skill set in it. My team is far more skilled at it than I am, mm-hmm. which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the the dreamer and the visionary side is is probably more so where I I I lie more on. And then the strategic side alongside that. So I'm able to have a dream and then articulate a strategy that I want to, to move forward in that dream. Now, the fine tuning and the, the, the ultimate details alongside that, my, te- my, my team, my partners are, are far better at that part than I am. Yeah. But I'd say that's where my strength is. Yeah, it's interesting because oftentimes I think you hear this advice, hey, do what you're passionate about. And to a young person, that can also always uh, oftentimes mean – well, I'm going to do what I'm I'm naturally gifted at sure. right away. And frankly, if I didn't go and study economics and have to muddle through stats and econometrics yeah. and and have to deal with accounting, it would be I'd have a very difficult conversation with Mike about the books, about about, you know, what the numbers really look like. And so I think it's understanding who you are early in life and understanding that you're going to have to be able to speak this other language sure. is huge. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, it's, it's in, it's, I think fundamental and it's going to be just in listening to you. I think fundamental to your success is understanding most dreamers don't start with, Hey, make sure your legal squared away <laughs> and, and make sure you understand your balance sheet income statement. But by virtue of having to get into the weeds yes. as an entrepreneur, that stuff, it becomes, you realize without that, you don't have a vehicle That's to right. get to where you want to go. Without that vehicle, you can come up with, you can create the best darn content in the world. You don't have a vehicle for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you don't have anything to sell. That's right. Or anything to show about what your dream is. So really awesome. You guys, you bring along, you're, you're sort of investor facing, like really your, your client is the investor. That's right. And so you're, you're accountable to those, those folks having all of this come to play for those investors who may be more on the visionary side, more on the implementer right. side, more on the, the CEO side or CFO side sure. is really important. So you mentioned something and prior in, in an earlier conversation, you were talking about sort of breaking down processes. Sure. And I think maybe if we could leave the, the audience who a lot of them are, are young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, you know, who are maybe a little more seasoned, like, like me who still struggle, I think this is one of the bigger struggles, let's struggle to break down a process over the course of a, of a time frame, 30 days, you want to hit certain goals. Right. Um, and you had talked about your time working at Vector, I, at Cutco, right. right? That's right. And talk to me about, if you could share what you shared with me about 
how how that helped you understand how to break down processes in order to sell a good. Sure. So Vector in many ways was like entrepreneurial training for me, mm. right? Because I had to, I was responsible for my own business, essentially, where I was going out and meeting clients and trying to sell a product. I had to find those clients. I had to reach out to those clients. I had to book appointments with those clients. I had to pitch those clients. I had to handle objections with those clients. I had to close a sale on those clients. I had to acquire referrals from the clients. I had to rinse and repeat. Yeah. So that, <laughs> which is more or less. And you did pretty well at it too. Well, yeah, I, I reached in the 1% of career sales there. I, I got to their highest commission level. I was a manager. I led teams to, you know, win sales competitions and, you know, did that for a number of years. So I, at one time I was the, one of the top 10 field trainers. I took a lot of representatives out in the field. So I, yeah, I, I had a pretty good run when I was over there. Um, but how that informed the idea of breaking down processes um Vector would oftentimes encourage people to have large goals in sales. Of course, that impacted their bottom line, so they had a vested interest in that. But, you know, just like they got paid, we got paid too. So that impacted our bottom line as reps. But a lot of goals, a lot of large goals are very intimidating when you may not have had that sort of success. Mm. I remember very vividly when I sold my first $1,000 of product and what they called a grand day, $1,000. And I hadn't sold but a couple hundred before that day. Yeah. Right? And, mm-hmm. you know, that experience created a lot of belief for me. It's like, okay, well, if I can do this thing that I've never done before, today, like I walk in and then I walk out and an hour later this thing has changed. Maybe there, who knows what that means. But what I saw as other goals got bigger was breaking those goals down. Take a large number, like a a, a five thousand dollar number. Let's say I wanted to sell five thousand uh, dollars over the course of uh, ten days, mm-hmm. right? And I had only sold at that point, let's say hypothetically, um, two hundred dollars. And I use this because this is this is real stuff that did mm-hmm. in fact actually happen to me. So I wanted to sell five thousand dollars over over the course of ten days, and I and I had sold maybe a couple hundred dollars or even nothing. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Okay, if I don't have any stats, how am I going to break that down? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm new. I don't I, I have no record to stand on. Sure. So I would use the stats of the company on average. Let's say people would sell a two hundred dollar sale daily. Right? Yeah. No, per 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 transaction. Okay. Each transaction is two hundred dollars. Right. So if I have to, if I'm trying to sell five thousand dollars over 10 days, I have to have twenty five transactions, twenty five transactions, two hundred dollars, five thousand bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I know how many transactions I have to have. So twenty five transactions. Then how many people do I need to see? Mm-hmm. everybody I see is not going to say yes. Right. Right. I don't need everybody to say yes. Sure. I just need enough people to say yes to get me my 25 transactions. So let's say my closing ratio at the time is 50%. Yep. So if I want 25 transactions, I got to see 50 people. Sure. Right. Okay. I got to see 50 people. How many people do I have to call? Everybody I talk to is not going to say, hey, come over. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say hypothetically my phone closing ratio is 50%. Mm-hmm. I talk to two people. One person says yes. Right. That wasn't exactly what it was, but I'm using that because it's easy math. Sure. So if I want to have see 50 people, I have to talk to 100 people. Mm -hmm. I've got 10 days to do it. So I have to talk to 10 people every single day, Mm -hmm. no matter what rain, shine, exhaustion, car breaks down, no matter what. I've got to talk to 10 people every single day. So now I've got this $5,000 goal and I haven't done this before. Right. Never, not ever have I done this. I've got this $5,000 goal that I've broken down to. If I talk to 10 people a day, I should hit my goal or very close to it. 
And in fact, over my first 10 days, I sold about $4,800 worth of product awesome. in my first 10 days. <laughs> That's great. Right? That, that is a legitimate thing that I did do. And I did see roughly about 50 people mm-hmm. over those 10 days. So, and, you know, I, I worked myself to exhaustion. I ended up passing out on a customer's kitchen table <laughs> at one point. Thankfully, the Nizer moved out of the way and I knew the person. <laughs> they are like sharp. Cra- yeah, they're very sharp. So I knew the person I could crash on their couch. But that was an example of, okay, here's me who has not ever done this before. I knew nothing uh-huh. about it. I didn't have some major interest in, in culinary um, arts. I wasn't going to be a chef. <laughs> like, I knew nothing about it. And then in 10 days... I was able to sell five thousand, you know, almost five thousand dollars worth of a product that I knew nothing about and hadn't done before because I broke the thing down. I had the vision, I had the strategy, I broke it down and worked it all the way down to something that's art- that's easily articulatable, right? Talking to ten people in a day is not some crazy, ridiculous goal. Yeah, you know, I'm talking to the two of you right now. If I were to talk to eight more people, we're done. Done, right? Yeah. And that's just in one day. Yeah. And then if you do that again, you know, and that's just presuming everything stays the same and you don't get any better or have any increase in skill as you go along, which of course you're going to. And you chunk that down into into something your mind could wrap itself around within a 24-hour period, within a smaller period. That's right. And so you took a goal and knew that you had to do very specific things. The one thing I have to do is to call this many people. That's right. When I call this many people, this happens. That's right. I I talk to 50. Once I talk to 50... Or, or meet with 50, I'm going to, I'm going to get 25. That's right. Those 25 are going to buy on average this much product. That's right. And that product is going to translate into this much revenue. That's right. So what's interesting about that, it's basically a little, it's a mini business plan. That's exactly right. It's, yeah. you're taking a lead generation strategy. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Applying or, or, or a marketing strategy, if you will, mm-hmm. you're, you are your own marketing. You're applying it to a revenue model, an economic model that says, when I do this, this is the revenue that will happen, right? Right, Because of these activities. And you could say, okay, and what is it going to cost me to do that? Well, it's going to cost me gas. Sure. It's going to cost me time. Sure. It's, it maybe cost me some, some money on my cell phone, That's right. whatever it is, right? And so you, you have some costs. You can take that out. Budget model, That's right. right? So that, and that's really, I think it's, it was really cool when you when you broke that down for me the first time. I'm thinking, okay, there's there's a little mini business plan. That's right. And, and it was a ten day, finite business plan. And in many ways, you what what you were talking about in in what you're launching in I Street is that over multiple days, m- multiple years. That's right. Right. Multiple conversations. It's just a more complex equation. That's right. But it's it's still the same mindset of let's take this big dream and break it down into smaller chunks. And you know, if you wanted to sell more of that product, you'd have to say, well, I need a team of people. How am I going to train those people? Now I'm in the coaching business in some way, right? And so how am I going to lead and motivate those people? What is that going to look like? How am I going to make sure I get the right talent on on board in order to sell instead of 5,000 over 10 days, 50,000 or 500,000? Sure. And so it, it allows you to think, once you know what it takes for one person to do it, you can start to scale that at, at, a, at a pretty neat level. So um, let's let's close with that. I, I think we we could talk forever. <laughs> do you have any last piece of advice? If, if you know, if you could give your, I don't know if you have any nephews, but your nephew, right? You're you're now the uncle, you know, and and or or will be at some point. Sure. Do you give that nephew any advice as their three, five, seven years old 
in your presence, what are you telling them? What I would say is hold on to that dream, whatever it is Mm -hmm. for yourself. That thing that you nurse when you're young, that life tries to grind out of you, hold on to it. But if you want to make it real, dig into the weeds of it, get people who can help you dig into the weeds of it. And then once you've done that, go out and execute. Go out and execute Mm -hmm. because sometimes you'll get bogged down with the planning and the the, the details and the, the stuff, which is very, very, very important. But once the plan is finished and once the details have been ironed out and once you have the picture, go forward and do the thing and never, ever, ever, ever give up. Awesome. That's what that I said. Awesome. Myron, thanks. Hey, my Great pleasure. to have you here. Thank you so much, Pat. We got to do this again. 100%. All yeah. right. One year from now. Yep. <laughs> the next one. There you go. I'm in. Absolutely. Great. Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Myron's company, visit iStreetInvestments.com. Myron is going to be serving as a judge for our Young Entrepreneur Scholarship Competition this fall. We're very excited to have him. Next week, look out for our interview with the founders of Rock Spring Contracting, a successful, fast-growth company also based here in the D.C. metro area. Thanks again for listening, and for feedback on this episode or the podcast in general, email us at podcast at towerhillrealty.com.